Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, Lane Moore literally wrote the book on how to make meaningful friendships as an adult. We're still operating on that eight-year-old mentality of like, I don't know, you find someone you like and then it's done. And that's just not true with adults. Plus, the next installment of our Nerdy Job series is about all the tricks a food stylist has up her sleeve. The way I make a cookie, it will probably drive somebody else insane. But first, it's our chance to sit back and relax from the week that was. It was a wild week. The CEO of the furniture store, Miller Knoll, told her employees who weren't getting bonuses that they needed to get out of Pity City. You can visit Pity City, but you can't live there. So people... Leave Pity City. Let's get it done. Thank you. The Netflix Love is Blind reunion was a complete disaster. That's right. The first live reunion in the history of Netflix. And the Writers Guild of America voted to authorize a potential strike. But we are not going to talk about any of that. Here with us this week, we have Shirley Lee. She writes about Hollywood and the changing culture of the entertainment industry for The Atlantic. Shirley, hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Also, here is the host of the podcast, Articles of Interest, Avery Truffleman. Avery, welcome back. Hi. It's so fun to be here. Okay, so I do want to talk about Netflix a little bit, actually, because it was a tumultuous (laughs) week for them. I mentioned the Love is Blind reunion, but they also announced they're going to start their password crackdown in the next couple of months, which will be very interesting to see how that goes. And they also said they're going to stop their DVD mail service, which I have to say, I did not know still even existed. I mean, I haven't had a DVD player for probably at least three years now. Surely, since this is like kind of in your sphere of reporting, did you know (laughs) they were still doing the DVDs? I did uh, because I do have have some friends who were still uh, maybe perhaps getting DVDs in the mail from Netflix. That's amazing. yeah, it's it's like a personality quirk I, or like yeah. a, a party story. You know what I mean? <laughs> like my, my sister's annoying ex was like, yeah, I still get DVDs. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Go away. Avery, do you miss the good old days of like sitting on the floor of Blockbuster Video with like five DVD cases in front of you trying to figure out what the hell you're going to watch that night? In some ways, right? But it's not about the format. Like, do I miss DVDs? No. <laughs> but <laughs> do I miss being able to like really, truly browse Without an mm. algorithm like pushing stuff on me, yeah, one hundred percent. Like I really do miss just looking at a pile of stuff, yeah, and feeling yes. that um, that bounty, and then picking something from it. You know, it was like this hunt. Yes. It was like I got one, and now I'm gonna take it home, and I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> and um, you know, you're like, oh my god, they have this available. That sort of 
like erotic game of scarcity that <laughs> doesn't yes. exist in streaming world when we're sort of like looking at this pile of stuff and it's this it feels like a burden mm. yeah it's not about dvds i do not miss dvds although sometimes i do miss the extras and i do wish there was like an archive for the world of lost yes. dvd extra content but i honestly i, I love streaming streaming so convenient it's so right. easy i just wish there was a way to go by director you know just like alphabetical not according to you know strong female leads or whatever <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think especially about like, it is weird how nostalgic I am for the time, for the victory, the sense of victory you would feel yes. when you went into the store and you were like, I need season two, disc three yeah. of Sex in the City and they have it. And that means I can watch it. Yes. There's also when you mentioned, uh, maybe this is just me, when you said, <laughs> when you mentioned like the, the erotic pleasure of just having, <laughs> you know, a scarce amount of yeah. titles to browse through. I'll also say there's something about the tactility of it where. Um, I, I have this sense memory of going into Blockbuster and touching the DVD covers. You know how it was kind of plastic, but not yep. like smooth plastic. Yep. <laughs> I know exactly what it was like. Just it's yeah, it wasn't like see through shiny stuff. It was like kind of mm-hmm. matte. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wow. know what it is about that, but it's also then opening it up once you've rented it and looking at the inserts. And, and I, I, I could go on. No, it felt like that was the other thing. It almost felt like educational to be like, ah, cinema, like look at all the films yes. rather than, <laughs> you, you know, I just feel like I even by even knowing what titles were out there and which ones were like the favorite. It almost felt like when you go to a bookstore and you're just mm-hmm. like, OK, what's the pulse right now? What are people reading? Mm-hmm. What are the what does the staff recommend? You just mm-hmm. kind of get to take the temperature in this way. That when you go onto an algorithm that's been personalized for you, you're not getting yeah. a larger sense of what other people are interested in. You're like, well, mm-hmm. this is what I should be doing. That is a really good point. Mm-hmm. It's funny thinking of it, it with the analogy of like junk food. Like if, you know, the yeah. algorithms are like, oh, you love Cheetos and Oreos. Okay, here are like 20 different varieties of yeah. Cheetos and Oreos. Mm-hmm. And like, we're not even going to bother showing you the like really interesting salad mix because you're not going to eat it. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like you didn't even know there were edible flowers you can put in your yes, salad, but they're like exactly. all the way over there. They're like far away. Yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect. Avery, when is the last time you actually watched a DVD? Do you know? Oh God. Well, my, my boyfriend's like a film man and, Ooh, uh, has, nice. I know. Look at me like ridiculing my sister's ex. I'm like, wow, insufferable. And like, my, the my truth comes out. A, you know, when we, when we had COVID, it actually like really was, was nice to watch DVDs together. And it gave us that old feeling of like, let's make it through this pile. And that oh, was fun. That is really Aww. sweet. I love that. Okay, so another story from this week that I thought was really interesting that I want to talk to y'all about is from NPR, and it's about how more youths these days are using voice texting, which, you know, is like when you can record yourself in the iMessage app and send the audio to a friend. Um, Apparently, this is a thing the youngs are doing a lot, which makes me feel really cool because this is something my boyfriend and I actually do pretty regularly. 100%. Same. (laughs) Our time has come. (laughs) I was really curious to hear what y'all thought about this because, I mean, I, I get that it could seem like a burden and extremely annoying because it does... I think, ask for a different level of attention than maybe a lot of us are used to with text. But it's the, it also, Avery, you're a podcast person. Like, 
especially I think as people who like occupy the world of audio, like you can just convey so much more with the voice than you can with the written word. I love this. You know, I've done this with friends in other countries and apparently for long, long periods of time, this has always been way more popular, especially in South America. Interesting. Like a friend of mine is from Panama and she was like, yeah, this is like just what texting is hmm. in Panama. We just send voice memos back and forth. But I have to say, I have like a tiny qualm with this trend now that more people are hopping huh. on, which I'm very excited about. But I'm like, if it's longer than five minutes, oh, it's yes. a phone call. No. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like, it's just got to be short. I don't know. I don't mean to be mean, but it has to fit the medium. Like, I find it's great for, like, singing happy birthday oh. or, like, I'm here with a friend or, you know, yes. something that's really nice. But I, I hate it when it's like, yeah, I don't feel like texting, so I'm just going to leave this, like, long, rambling thing. I'm like, make it necessary yeah. or make it quick. Yeah. I think the other instance when they're really fun is like, oh, my God, you would not believe what just happened to me. You know, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> like, there's so much 100%. fun. So, surely, do you use this at all? Yeah, yeah. I don't I, mean uh, to shit on the written word. <laughs> no, 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 no shitting on the written word. Dead. It's because the written word that is being shat on is often really <laughs> difficult to put together. I think, uh, no, I agree. I agree. I, I love them. So, like, my boyfriend and I are long distance. Mm. You know, like, when it's late for him and I'm not sure if he's still up, I'll send a little, I'll send a wee voice note, you know, yeah, see, see so if sweet. he's still around. But I also, I also completely agree about the etiquette, right? I, th- I actually think, like, five minutes might be too long because you know you're Mm. sitting there um and after a while my phone goes to sleep and then I have to replay it because I forget to just like keep the screen on uh but I do think they're so they are so efficient like for especially for bits (laughs) you know it it feels like too much to hop on a call to just I don't know recite um a a line from Seinfeld or something (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) I mean I feel like they're really good for like gossip you know i love being like don't although i sometimes i'm like don't save this like let it go yes. away and then i see they saved it i'm like i told you not to save it <laughs> don't save it but it, it is it is a fun sort of like burn after reading uh, yes. sort of juicy thing you can do okay so now let's talk about my favorite story from the week which uh people magazine wrote the headline about this spanish woman 50 emerges from cave after 500 days alone underground and says i didn't want to come out iconic iconic so her name is beatrice flamini she's an extreme athlete she's from spain and scientists sent her 230 feet underground on november 21st of 2021 because they wanted to like study her from a distance, look at circadian rhythms and the effect of isolation on the brain. She did a lot of exercise and crafting. She read 60 books. She says she had an amazing time and that she completely lost perception of time. And she said that it's not that it went by quickly or slowly, but that time just didn't exist at all. What is time? Oh, my God. I just I loved this story before it also occurred to me that that means she just didn't know any news that happened (laughs) since November 21st of 2021. I mean, obviously, this was extremely difficult. Also, I'm sure. But like, I am really conflicted about whether this would be heaven or hell to just be in a cave for 500 days. Well, that's what's wild. She thinks it's heaven. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. Like when I read this story, I, I like every like with every subsequent sentence, my jaw was dropping yes. farther and farther. <laughs> like she, she calls it, she calls it an excellent and unbeatable experience. And 
I think she rocks. I'm, I'm sorry for the pun. <laughs> but I, oh, I mean, you know, I, I admire the effort, but I think there are, I think this is an experience that's beatable. <laughs> if we're talking I don't know, about people pleasure. pay a lot of money for sensory deprivation chambers. Mm, yes. Like, yes. Oh, for 500 people, days? People, <laughs> it's so many. Well, and like we've all gone through our own forms of isolation, obviously, you know, in the pandemic mm-hmm. and over the last couple of years. But like, yeah, 500 straight days. Well, I mean, the interesting thing about it is like a, a while ago, I did a story about the, the science of sleep and, mm-hmm. and if we know how sleep works. And there have actually been a number of these sorts of studies that have been attempted of people like trying to just understand circadian rhythms in an absolute vacuum to understand how much of it is cultural and how much of it is light. And like, as you can imagine, these are really hard to do. Mm -hmm. Like not everyone can do them. And a lot of these experiments actually fail. And so the fascinating thing about this is like, it wasn't like, yes, she was, you know, zenning out being alone, (laughs) but also she was being a pioneer like this is huge this is huge for science and it's the sort of thing where like you know i I think all the time about if someone offered me that opportunity to be that first person to go to mars Mm -hmm. and you'd have to be like alone you know for a long time just sort of doing science on your own would i do it and if the answer is like will it ultimately like help humanity sure Mm. I, i do like that she got treats like this wasn't so isolated <laughs> that, you know, she had to, you know, find food for herself, things right. like that. It is really just about isolation. Um, and, and <laughs> I mean, there are so many things about this story that I can't get over, but one of them is, is just like every, every five poos, <laughs> the scientists would come and <laughs> clean things up for her. I just want to know what books she read. Like, good, release good the question. list. Great question. I want to know the 60 books. <laughs> I would, and if, I honestly, would read that. if they were all, like, if she read the entire Russian literary canon, <laughs> rock on. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, if she read Shades of Grey, good for her. I th- you yes. know, and that, it's like whatever gets your rocks off at that point. <laughs> yeah. right? Avery, also, you're such a good person. What? Thinking of humanity the way you do. Like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it for, for the future of humanity. So, oh, God damn it, I mean, Avery. No, 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 no. I, I, I'm trying to get in the history books, Greta. Like, <laughs> it, it, okay, it's, okay, it's, that makes me feel better. It, it's ego. <laughs> Shirley, Avery, thank you both so much. This was actually too much fun. This is a blast. Always the best time coming on. Something that can be really difficult is figuring out how to make friends as an adult. Now, there are literal apps for this. There are WebMD articles and wiki how-to lists, but it's one thing to like find a workout buddy, and it's another to find a person who you can really share life with in all of its ups and downs. Lane Moore literally just wrote a book about this. It's called You Will Find Your People, How to Make Meaningful Friendships as an Adult. Lane says it's not easy, but it is absolutely worth it. We have an idea from when we were kids or in pop culture that our friendship should look like this, and they don't. And what we're coming up, and it's not that they're bad. Like, sometimes I've seen people on social media who, you know, it's usually a stranger. It's usually some somebody who saw the tweet in passing or something, and they're like, oh, I don't need this book. I have friends. And I'm like, 
okay, obviously, like most people have friends to some degree, but it's not that. It's how do you maintain those friends? Yeah. What if that person moves? What if you have to start over again? What if uh, that person has kids now? Your relationship is yes, going to change. That's a big one. What if? What are the things you haven't really discussed? What are the ways you can deepen that friendship? I think how do we nurture these things? How do we make them so there's the they're as close to the friendships that we'd always wanted? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, end up maybe being friends with the same people they have been for a really long time and not thinking about it too hard. (laughs) I think about for me, especially, I mean, not only through the pandemic, but like fill in the blank, any other number of really difficult things that have happened to me in the last couple of years, like even just recognizing who, who will show up for me, who I want to show up for, you know, it's, it's that idea of sort of like, whose grief do I want to share? It's it's not just like, who do I want to keep me company when I go get ice cream or whatever? You know, there's like a depth. And I think especially as we get older, recognizing like, oh, no, we need a lot more out of these friendships than we maybe even thought we did. You know, it's not just, you know, how do I like go get coffee with a gal in my yoga class? Yeah, like you can do that tomorrow and it'll be great. You can do that tomorrow. We all know that. (laughs) You know, this is uh, this is. I'm really talking about all these sticky other things that we never talk about and we keep them bottled up inside because I know for me, one of the struggles I had in my friendships so much of my life was how do I approach harder things? I know I can, I'm a comedian. I know I can make somebody laugh, but if I can never bring them any of my pain, any of my struggles, if they're not going to show up for me in any other way, that's not a friendship to me. No. It's not. Right. Some people might be fine with that. And maybe those are the people who are like, I have friends. They're really casual. We never talk about anything serious. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But this book is for the rest of us who want to be able to be all parts of ourselves with somebody, to be able to fall apart in front of somebody and, and, you know, in a way that is not going to be harmful to them, but to just be every aspect of ourselves as we walk through life together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, too, what I love so much about this book is that it is taking friendship seriously in a way that you don't always see. Right. I mean, you know, we mentioned like the idea of friendship in pop culture still so much. And I think it has changed a lot in the last couple of years. But there's still this idea that a romantic relationship is real. Then you've made it. Yes. You know, and really there's so much that you can get out of a out of friendships it's the same thing absolutely and we're still operating on that eight-year-old mentality of like i don't know you find someone you like and then it's done Mm -hmm. and that's just not true with adults you know we're constantly becoming different people we're figuring out how to articulate our needs if our needs change if someone starts doing if you know we met somebody at 20 and we loved that they were super gossipy and really negative. Maybe when we get to 30 or 40, we're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't like that. Right. This is bumming me out. I can't do this anymore. Like, so it's just, we are all holding in these feelings and we have a lot of them about friendship because I think inherently people do take it seriously. We know it's serious. We know that if we, if we, maybe took it more seriously, put more weight on it. We'd have these like, oh, to get to be those like old ladies who see each other every day for tea and they've known each other 60 years. I want that. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. Yeah. I think too, you know, a friendship breakup can be just as devastating as a, yes, 
as a romantic relationship breakup. Like, you know, it's it's so hard. If if not more so because again, so, you know, things are more painful when we're not we're not giving them the same airtime. We're not providing a language for them. We have a language for when someone's going through a romantic breakup. Oh my gosh, you're going through a breakup. Going to bring you some ice cream. Mm-hmm. I know what to say to you. When someone's going through a friendship breakup, it's like you just said a word we're not allowed to say. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we don't What's speak. I don't you? want to hear about that. What's wrong with you? Yeah. We don't speak of this. The shame around it, I think, is a big part of why it's so painful because you know, so I, so I really, that was something I very much wanted to talk about because to really articulate how challenging that can be. And so many of us, you know, also to, to talk about how so many of us who have to go through a friendship breakup don't want to, Mm. like there's, you know, in a lot of romantic breakups, right. You're kind of like, like, even in your worst, right. You're like, it's time. (laughs) I'm ready. Right. But in so many of our, yes, but in so many of our friendship breakups, even if they have treated, treated us like absolute dirt for quite a while, Mm -hmm. we're still like, I'm so bummed because we did have some good moments. I'm so bummed. This person hurt me in this way. I'm so disappointed. This person was not my people. Yeah. So we posted about this topic in our Facebook group, Nerdette Headquarters, because I thought it was super interesting. And we heard from Corey, who talked about, you know, some reasons why it can be so difficult to make friends in, as, as an adult. And they said, I think adults get out of the habit of doing scary things, which yes. I think makes total sense, right? I mean, I think there really is something to that. It's the vulnerability piece, yep. right? Like, it's exactly what you're talking about. And it's so funny because, you know, a lot of people say, why is it so hard to make friends. And there's a million pieces of this, but one of the biggest pieces that I always talk about is how no one wants to be the first one to say it. No Mm -hmm. one wants to be the vulnerable one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's a missing piece when, when you, when you hear, you know, in the past, people talk about like, why can't people make friends? And it's like, Oh, well, it was always some like simplified, you know, oh, probably that they're just not going to a group event. And it's like, no, stop simplifying this. We, we don't want to be rejected. We're still grieving from past friendship breakups. Like there's all these emotions. We're afraid to choose the wrong friends again. Mm. That's been me many times where I'm like, what if I just went through this friendship breakup? What if the next person I choose is literally 2.0 of the person I finally, you know, extracted from my life and I'm still, you know, I, I think that's it too. Sometimes we, so many of us are trapped in these relationship patterns we're not even fully conscious of. Yeah. Totally. I loved this comment we got from Karen on our Facebook group. They said, a wise friend told me when I was in college, the thing about good friends is you make them one at a time. I think that's the thing too. It's it's like a vulnerability. And to that point, a patience Yes, where it's like, nobody wants to, it's, it is a process getting to know somebody being vulnerable with a new person. It really, you know, I, 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 again, to give it the gravity and the respect that it deserves for how challenging it can be to really build something from nothing. It's no different than starting a romantic relationship from the ground up. And I think the longer we're alive and the more we're like, we've been through a lot of stuff. We're just like, I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. But we know if, if, if it works out, it's, it's life changing. Yeah, totally. So at the end of the book, you talk about how 
like kind of took you a while to be able to like look around and, and realize that you are a person with friendships and not still struggling in the way that you used to. And I, it's funny because it reminds me of something my therapist often tells me, which is like, you know, celebrate the wins, right? Yep. We're so yes. good at being hard on ourselves. It's so difficult to take a pause and just sit and be like, oh, this actually went really well, even if it's not at all the outcome I had expected. Um, yes. What did, how did you manage to sort of like change your mindset to, to get that perspective? I am grateful for moments when I've been able to remind myself when a therapist, a friend, whoever has been able to remind me. Like when I look at my friendships 10 years ago, oh my God, we were never communicating about anything. I was never, ever feeling heard. I never, ever voiced a need. And so I'm trying, I really want to encourage people to get away from like this idea we have in our head of like friendship perfection. I think Mm. so often friendship perfection is being able, the closest we can get for me anyway, is being able to say, you know what? Sometimes my friend and I misunderstand each other. Sometimes I don't get what I need. Maybe they won't get what they need. Yeah but we bravely show up and we talk about it and we fix it and it bonds us further. That's perfection to me. It is perfection. And that's so beautiful. Lane, thank you so much for doing all this research and writing such a lovely book and sharing it with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. After the break, we're going to talk to a food stylist. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Up next, we have another installment of our Nerdy Jobs series where we take a peek into a person's very specific and maybe a little strange job today... I'm Micah Morton. I'm a food stylist. A food stylist is a person who makes food look great, whether it's for a cookbook or a magazine spread or a TV commercial. But Micah's job isn't just to put food on a plate in front of a camera. It starts way before that. First, Micah does sometimes hours of planning with a client about what they're looking for from her. Then she has to shop, which is not your typical trip to the grocery store. The shopping is very labor intensive. So much of Micah's job is about perfection, which means she doesn't have to find just one gorgeous strawberry. She needs like 10 more that look exactly the same. Say you're shooting something like a baby food ad. The size of that bell pepper compared next to the jar matters. Say it's getting sliced. You might have had to find... 50 of said super green, (laughs) certain shape, certain size bell pepper. 50 of the same bell pepper. And once she has all of her peppers in a row, next comes the cooking part. Micah does all of the cooking herself, though maybe she gets some sous chef help from an apprentice. If I have a cover shoot of a bunt cake, we're definitely making like 10 of those (laughs) the day before. 
because someone will ask you, no, we want the glaze thicker or we want it shinier. You know, maybe one, the interior crumb doesn't look great. So here's another we have. Have you ever looked at a magazine ad for a plate of food and thought, no way that's real food? This is all like plastic molds or CGI or something. Well, at least for Micah, that is definitely not an option. Everyone thinks that we don't use food. You have to use food. You have to use food. So that means Micah has to have a few tricks up her sleeve. We all know you whip a bowl of cream and you sit it in the fridge, it's going to be weeping. You know, the liquid starts to come back out of it. I know how to bring that back to life. I also know how to make sure it's stabilized so that I can leave it in there and it's not going to weep. Or what about when slices of apple start to brown? I'm going to want to use citric acid. Or what if it's an ad for ice cream? I will build little mini freezer ice boxes on set so that I can like put each scoop in its house so it stays. And while it is all real food, sometimes the food isn't exactly what you think it is. For example, if there's ice cream in an ad, but it's for an ad for like clothes and the ice cream is just a prop, it's not as important for that ice cream to be actual ice cream. You know, everyone probably has their own secret recipe, (laughs) but you could think of fake ice cream like frosting. Imagine like the thickest buttercream and just how it could like scoop and ripple. Getting to where she is as a food stylist today took a lot of training in cafes and bars and restaurants. And before realizing that this was the type of work she wanted to do, Micah was a head baker in a big deal bakery in New York. I still loved to do food, but I realized I was so much better at like making a few things very perfect. The way I make a cookie, it will probably drive somebody else insane. Um, You know, like pulling the pan out of the oven with while it's hot and pushing chips into like different places. And not everyone gets it. I sometimes get hired to fix things because someone thought that, oh, it's just a pomegranate. We're just shooting a pomegranate. And then They spent all day trying to open it in different ways. None of them really knew how to open it. It was shot in a conference room. And then you come in and you're like, whoop, 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 here you go. And then everybody's like, oh my God. Because really, she's combining science, art, and cooking into what you see on the page. Yes, it's real food. But what I do has a very strong sculptural, you know, fine art component to it. And I'm looking at how light hits it and where the shapes are and what the shapes are. That is food stylist Micah Morton. love to hear if you have any ideas of people we should talk to in our nerdy job series you can send us a dm on instagram or at nerd.podcast or you can send us an email to nerd.podcast at gmail.com and speaking of sending us emails nerdette is turning 10 years old next month and we are collecting birthday greetings from you listeners 
if you would like to chime in with maybe your favorite nerdette episode or just talking about why you like the show or what you like to do while you listen, we would be so thrilled to hear from you. You can send that over as well to nerdettepodcast at gmail.com. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman. J.P. Swenson builds our newsletter and our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. We will see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.